This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today, Dr. Joe Roman is an author, conservation biologist, and research affiliate at the University of Vermont. But 20 years ago, he was living in Boston and spending his days on the water, collecting European green crabs for his PhD program. These animals are considered one of the most invasive species in saltwater ecosystems. As Roman fished for crabs, a nearby stranger harvested non-native snails to later sell as food, having no idea that he spurred Roman's new perspective on eradicating invasive species. As a conservation biologist, you're often concerned with eating too much. We've taken too many fish out of the ocean or hunted too many birds off land or killed off most of the bison. But it occurred to me that maybe we could flip the script a bit and think about ways that we could use our appetite in a good way. This experience paved the way for Roman's idea of eating invasive species to help the environment. I hadn't seen anyone frame it this way. Of course, people have been eating invasive species forever, just not as a conservation angle. I mean, some of the reasons that several of these species think of greens like, well, maybe dandelions or even burdock or others, they were brought here on purpose because people like to eat them, right? A better example would be feral pigs, right? So they were intentionally introduced in North America and released because they would be good food. But then the numbers got high and they started to cause ecological damage. Which branded them as one of the most destructive invasive species in America. But the term invasive doesn't simply mean non-native plants and animals. In fact, Dr. Cindy Tam says that there are many foreign species that exist in harmony within their ecosystems, whether they migrated or were brought over by humans. Tam is a Biological Threats and Invasive Species Research Program Coordinator at the U.S. Geological Survey. She says that most of these species don't cause noticeable harm to their new environment. The issues arise when some of the plants or animals turn invasive by federal standards. We have a definition of what an invasive species is, and it requires that species to be non-native to the ecosystem you're looking at, and that it causes harm, whether that harm is to the economy, to the environment, or to human health. But just because a species is deemed harmful doesn't mean we can't benefit from them in some way. Such as removing Burmese pythons from the Everglades for leather, or commercial harvest of invasive carps for food or fertilizer, and fishing for instance, for lionfish, for restaurants. So it doesn't mean we can't be looking to make lemonade out of the situation. And there are even times when invasive species provide habitat for a native species, and that habitat becomes important. An example of that is the southwestern willow flycatcher. It's a federally endangered bird in the southwest. And their natural habitat's very degraded by human activities. And the spread of a riparian shrub So it's called salt cedar or tamarisk, and it lives along the rivers in the southwest. And that cover that tamarisk provides has become critical habitat for this endangered bird. Unfortunately, these benefits don't outweigh the threat invasive species pose to their environments. Even though one invasive plant provides a habitat for endangered birds, countless others are actively killing off the native species. Sadly, there have been hundreds of extinctions as a result of invasive species, 
billions of dollars spent to try and control populations, right? A lot of invasives bring diseases. So we can think about West Nile virus, for example, it came in, is an invasive pathogen that came in and then was spread by non-native birds. So you can have health impacts. We use the term weeds, but lots of non-natives compete with agricultural crops. So often people are paying in order to use herbicides and try to reduce those numbers as well. Not to mention the effects invasive species have on fisheries and infrastructure. For example, zebra mussels are about the size of a fingernail, but they can cause a lot of damage. These are small mussels that are spread throughout the United States. It came from the Baltic region, and they clog intake pipes going into power plants and also cause millions and millions of dollars of damage a year. So overall, there's been a lot of estimates. There's not been a lot of great studies about the cost of invasive species in the United States, but one estimate was over $100 billion a year. Cheatgrass is another example of how impactful invasive species can be on the economy. It's a weed that overruns native plants and encourages wildfires. The U.S. government has programs in place to eradicate these problem plants and animals, but as we've learned, these efforts can cost billions of dollars. Roman's idea of adding invasive species into our diet takes a different approach to solving this issue. There's this idea of functional eradication, that is, So we know that these animals have an ecological impact. Let's take lionfish, for example. When lionfish are around, native fish populations go down. And some of these are endangered species. When you take out these lionfish, and we have evidence of this now, those native populations can come back up. We're not going to hunt out. I think it's highly unlikely we'll ever eat every lionfish, honestly. But we can have an impact on the numbers and on their ecological effects when we're eating them. Though invasive species have been an expensive issue for a long time, when Roman first posed this idea in 2004, he says that there wasn't any public interest. People thought it was kind of a cute idea. Some people pushed back. But at that point, the term locobore didn't even exist. This was a while ago. And I have to say, once chefs started to catch on to this idea, And the term invasivorism sort of arose in the following years. We started to see a shift, and I started to see increased interest both from the conservation community as well as people that like to try new local products. The idea of shopping local has become increasingly popular in recent years. Over the last two decades, more and more restaurants are joining the farm-to-table movement. It celebrates locally sourced ingredients over processed and imported foods. By including invasive species into your diet, Roman says that we get fresh food from our communities while also helping the ecosystem. In the beginning, when I pitched this idea, I would be like, we have an impact on native species, so it should work on invasives. But now there's evidence since that time, and we'll return to the lionfish as the best case, best example. Two islands in the Caribbean, one encourages fishing of lionfish and the other doesn't. And we see in areas where fishing is encouraged that the population of lionfish goes down where it stays about the same in areas where they're not encouraging fishing. And then Again, the really exciting part of this is not so much that the lionfish populations are going down, but the native species are going up. There are other diets that aim to help the environment, such as being a vegetarian. But which option is better? 
I would say there are different approaches and my family members who were vegetarians. And so I wouldn't encourage anyone who already has that lifestyle to say, oh, well, we should, you should start eating invasives, you know, add these animals to your, to your plate. I mean, I, I think that that's an important approach and certainly switching to a vegetarian diet is going to have a great impact on carbon emissions and reducing habitat destruction from cattle industry. So I would say both of them can have a positive impact on, on the environment and be a good choice for people. And, you know, I would argue also it's healthy eating locally, as long as you know you're locally sourcing these, that you are getting really good, fresh local food. The first time I had a green crab, I, I still remember it. I mean, I, it was a soft shell crab and it was delicious because it was fresh. However, Roman admits his plan won't work for all invasive species. In that case, he says we need to lean on the prevention measures set in place by the environmental agencies in the U.S. Let's be clear, the most important thing is prevention. No more invasives. The goal is not that we want to have new species on the menu every year, right? Tam is a part of this process with her position at the U.S. Geological Survey, or USGS. It's the research arm of the Department of the Interior that provides scientific data on natural hazards and the environment. The thing about invasive species management and control is that it takes a lot of different authorities. Some federal agencies can go onto private property and some can't. Some just may need, need to stay within the park borders. States are responsible for managing a lot of invasive species populations. And it really takes bringing all of the expertise and all of the different resources that federal, state, tribal, municipal, and non-governmental organizations can bring to Selective problem. USGS works with Fish and Wildlife Service and the Army Corps of Engineers and states in the Mississippi River drainage to contain and to reduce the populations of invasive big head and silver park. So we all work together with the states. We all bring our resources to attack a very difficult problem, such as the spread of millions of invasive carp. And as these large-scale efforts continue to chip away at invasive populations, Roman says that eating the species in your community is a way you can contribute to the effort. When you're out there, you're getting outside, you're collecting these, you know where it's coming from. I think that has an impact can be really beneficial in many ways. And that's the way I think of Eat the Invaders, right? It's just it's one tool, one approach among many that we're going to need in order to fight this big problem of invasive species. Roman has created a website called eattheinvaders.org where you can learn more about this topic. He's compiled around 30 different invasive species, where to find them, how to harvest them, and even includes recipe ideas. You can find more information about Drs. Joe Roman and Cindy Tam on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. They knew the nuance of tuberculosis, how it ebbed and it flowed, how in the morning somebody would wake up feeling okay, and by the afternoon their voice might shift a little bit, and then the evening they hemorrhaged. Revealing the black nurses who helped in the fight against tuberculosis. But first, what is a woman worth? If this were a cancer that hit men and we had a vaccine to prevent it for the last 17 years, would it still be happening at a rate of killing a woman every two minutes? All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Greg Johnson, host of Radio Health Journal. 
If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. We have fewer people who are certified in those positions that have historically been challenging to staff. There's a reason more students are failing proficiency tests in key subjects. Then... We have a president that has followed an authoritarian playbook with someone that comes to power through elections, but once in power, he's turned his back on these basic democratic guarantees. Mexico will also be electing a new president this year. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Thank you for joining us this week and every week as we break down the science stories you need to know. You can find all of our past segments and guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and X for daily content. And tune in next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.